So again, what we're trying to do is focus on developing that self-worth, that positive body image, that um, ability to handle, you know, criticism, um, to take healthy and 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 important risks, whether it's with their career or with trying something new or pushing themselves with a hobby, the ability and the confidence to be an individual. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. This is an incredible episode because we're going to sit down and talk to Kelly Roach, who is literally gone from NFL cheerleader, which is cool in itself, to millionaire maker. And you're going to love her story about everything that happened in between. Now, speaking of stamping out millionaires and helping people with their business, I have created what I always wish existed when I was getting started as an entrepreneur. So listen, if you're an entrepreneur, specifically between the range of $50,000 a year and $250,000 a year, I have designed the best program on the planet for you. And I'm not even like afraid to say it's the best program on the planet. It's a five-month mastermind. It undercuts everybody else's prices, but overserves in every way that I knew how. When I say I built everything that I wish had existed when I was getting started. That's how I designed this. I know what you're missing. I know what you need. I know why your income is stuck. I know why your products aren't selling. I know why your audience isn't growing. And we teach the foundations of how to get all of that where you want it in a five-month time. That's why we call it Fast Foundation. So listen, if you're between fifty dollars and $250,000 and you want to work with us in an intimate group of other like-minded entrepreneurs who are also in the early stages of entrepreneurship, go to fastfoundations.com and grab one of the last spots that are left. Again, fastfoundations.com. There's a limited amount of time to sign up and a limited amount of um, members that are going to be allowed in. So go to fastfoundations.com. It's everything I wish I had sitting there waiting for me to train me when I was stuck between 50 and 250,000 as an entrepreneur. Go check it out, fastfoundations.com. Now, speaking of helping people grow their business, I cannot wait to talk to Kelly Roach because this episode is full of so much value in so many different areas. Now, many of you already know who Kelly is, but she's known as the business catalyst who's gone from NFL cheerleader to amazing Fortune 500 record setter to now a private business coach helping online businesses launch fast but scale responsibly. And she's so good that it's no wonder why, you know, you've seen her on ABC and NBC and the CW and getting all sorts of press out there. She also has a best-selling book and a top podcast. So we dive deep on a lot of subjects. We talk about how she grew up broke, what that was like, this moment that just sticks with her where she decided that she was going to take charge of her money mindset and her financial situation from there on out and how it kind of shaped the powerful woman that she is in business today. We also talk about how and why you can and should engineer your own level of celebrity, so to speak, and her seven laws to become a seven-figure entrepreneur. But best of all, why I really wanted to talk to Kelly and chat with her 
is because Kelly is committed to philanthropy in the, exactly the same way that I am. She literally gives weekly from her business as a team to charities. It's such a cool thing that you can do with your business. You're going to love hearing about it. She's passionate about bringing clean drinking water through um, charities. And she's also started her own called Give Her Courage. And we talk about when should you start yours if you've got a charity on your mind and what's it been like getting this thing going. So listen, this episode is so full of value. I cannot wait for you to dig in and listen. So get ready because here we go. Kelly, how you doing? I've really been looking forward to connecting with you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. I told you a little bit offline. The thing that really intrigued me when when your team reached out on your behalf was all the work that you do with charities. And we're totally going there later in the interview. But it's amazing you know, how doing that type of work will get you noticed quicker than just sending over a bio and saying, look what I've accomplished. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, and we'll get into this as we talk, but the thing is, is we have such an opportunity and also such a responsibility. You know, once you master how to make money, that that's one piece of living and that's great, but there's so much more to life than that. And I think that's where legacy and contribution and social impact come in. And I don't think one needs to be against the other. I think they work well together in unison. So I'm excited to talk about that. Mm, yes. Okay. I cannot wait to get there. First, we're going to start with rapid fires. Just kind of a fun way to help my listeners get to know you in a hurry. And Let's then if there's something like really good or epic or juicy that we want to circle back around and do a deep dive on, we'll do that. Does that sound good? That is perfect. All right, and I promise I start super easy. So where'd you grow up? Okay. <laughs> I grew up in Chester County, Pennsylvania. And where do you live now? Westchester, Pennsylvania. Very cool. Favorite quote? Be the best that you can be in everything you do. Mm, what is one of your superpowers? Discipline. Ooh, that's a good one to have as an entrepreneur. What's one of your favorite books besides yours? Think and Grow Rich. I think I've read it like 35 times. Oh yeah, so good. What is one thing you're challenged by right now? Ooh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, hmm, that's interesting. I would say um, Give Her Courage is growing very rapidly and it's becoming a bigger and bigger movement. And so, you know, I'm dealing with the baby business and then the mature business. And so, you know, just kind of riding that wave, managing them both together, um, you know, deciding how much time is going to go into different places. You know, it's kind of getting in my new groove with both businesses. Mm, I can't wait to talk about that in a little bit and have, you know, kind of expose what you're doing because it's really, really cool. What is one of your favorite pieces of advice you've ever given? Oh, I think one of the most important pieces of, it, of advice that I've ever been given was by my dad. And he said, make sure that you always leave a little bit of white space. Oh my gosh. He said, don't go ahead of God, leave a little bit of room for white space because if the whole canvas is covered, there's no room for the miracles. There's no room for that extra. That's right? so funny you say that. It's literally, I posted that yesterday. It's literally one no in different way. words. Yeah, in different words. And it's literally one of my like commitments this year. So I love that. Okay, a couple more. Who's someone who's changed your life? Oh, so many people. I mean, my my first mentor absolutely changed my life. My first mentor in, in corporate America. We'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> All right. Uh, what is something generous you've done recently? I try to do generous things consistently. I mean, I think for us, it's it's bringing clean drinking water to people that don't have access. I mean, that's that's really, really important for me to do not one time, but all the time consistently. Amen. And last but not least, what are you grateful for today? I am grateful to be here with 
with you. I'll be honest. I, I think that I, I say this all the time and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. We are the luckiest freaking people in history that we get to do what we do, connecting with people around the world from the comfort of our own home, getting to share our message, make an impact, make sales. I, I'm blown away every day. I don't know how you feel, but I am blown away every day just by what we're capable of doing for free from our home offices. I, I think it's it's mind blowing. Kelly, so I talk about this all the time. I couldn't agree more. This is the easiest it has ever, ever Absolutely. been in history to have a message, share a message, make money, therefore be able to you know, create impact and contribution. Like it, It'll never be easier than this. We're going to look back and say this was the sweet spot, the golden era. Could not agree more. And I think it is so important that we don't forget that because it is it is so easy to get entitled and it is so easy to get, you know, pulled into maybe not running your own race, you know, and and it's never gonna be easier than this. There's never gonna be more opportunity than this. You're right. This is like the golden age. Yes, totally. Okay, so let's go a little deeper in the interview now. And one of the things that most podcasters do, and I know you've got a show, so I hope I don't like you know, trigger anything here. But one of the things that most <laughs> podcasters do that makes me cringe is they'll always start their shows with something generic, like tell us your story, right? But but you have like this really awesome, interesting story because you've gone from NFL cheerleader to record-breaking, ass-kicking, you know, Fortune 500 exec to like this expert in helping people launch and rapidly scale online businesses. So would you mind walking us through the high-level version of that story? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, for me, I grew up in a family of five, really loving family, but we had no money. <laughs> my dad worked for a nonprofit, five kids. My mom was a stay-at-home mom because how the heck do you work with five kids at home? Right. Um, and so we struggled. Like we struggled big time. You know, we we were on the free lunch program. We were, you know, wearing the hand-me-downs. You know, we we it was that whole gig, right? Which a lot of us have experienced. So it's not like that's unique. But to me, you know, a lot of kind of what I'll call my stress growing up was around the financial pressure that my parents experience. And then obviously that kind of trickles down into your experience of life and your your filter of life. And so, you know, I remember saying to myself, I, I wrote about this in, in my first book, actually, I call it the naked in the lunch line story. <laughs> so of course, you don't want everybody to know that you're on the free lunch program, right? Um, I remember we used to, it, it was back in the day when you would hand in the envelopes and I went to hand in my envelope and it was a new lunch lady that day. And she didn't know that they always took my lunch envelope and threw it in the pile and never opened it because there was nothing in it every day. Mm -hmm. So she ripped it open and there was nothing in it. And I was so more, it was one of the most mortifying moments of my life. I will never forget it. I don't even remember what happened the rest of that day. I was in so much shock and embarrassment. So anyway, there is a point to me sharing this story that triggered something in me that made me realize like I can take control of my own destiny as soon as I can work I will never be in that situation again. And literally from the point that I was able to legally start working, I think I've had three jobs. Like my entire life, there's always been like eight different things going on. I, you know, I was babysitting and, and I was walking the dogs and I was, you know, the gatekeeper at the pool and all that. So I get into college, I'm paying my bills. I went to the school where I was going to be in the least amount of debt. And so that ended up being the local university here, which I, I love. My experience was amazing, but division didn't have a division 
one dance team, didn't have a division one cheerleading team. And I had grown up competing at a really high level in both of those things. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take a step forward. I'm going to take a big step back. I was like, I'm not going back. Right. Mm-hmm. So I auditioned for the Philadelphia Eagles, became the youngest you know, professional cheerleader on the team. And I did that along with like a bunch of other jobs in college. But the, the big thing is, is I learned that you know, through selling, which, you know, performing is a form of selling. I was a cocktail waitress. That's a form of selling. Through selling, you can turn any no into yes in life. Right, Chris? Totally. And and so my big thing was, you know, I never have to experience that pain, that embarrassment, that stress ever again. I just have to learn how to turn every no into a yes. And so when I joined corporate America, I got a communications degree. I was first one in, last one out every single day. And I was do determined in my 20s to become financially free and to go as far and as high as I possibly could, as fast as I possibly could. And that's exactly what I did. I was promoted seven times in eight years. I had a team of 100 people. I had 17 locations around the US. I was literally managing people my parents' age. I was having CEOs fly in from the other countries. I was, you know, in a in a corporation that had, you know, 52 different countries that we had offices in. And and they were coming to study the models that I was building because we broke every record in the company's history for sales and growth and profits and and the whole nine yards. And it's just discipline. You know, that's why you say, what's my superpower? It's discipline. It's just discipline, right? It's not getting distracted. It's being focused. It's it's seeing the best in people and it's it's valuing people, um, building teams that come together. So yeah, so, you know, I did that whole thing, got to the top of the mountain, looked around. I was like, huh, you know, I don't want to be working 80 hours a week. I don't want to be traveling unless it's for fun with my family. You know, that whole thing that most of us go through as entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And so back in 2012, I started my own consulting firm and and it's been just onward and upward from there. Oh my God. So you're actually one of the original people, let's say, in the beginning of this wave of, hey, look, I'm an online business coach. I mean, you're like one of the original gangsters of doing that if, if 2012 is when you started. Yes. Yes. The world has changed massively since then. <laughs> now everybody's a coach. One of the original gangsters that does business coaching that actually has business experience. Yes. Thank, enough, you. thank you. Funny thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love so, that. So yeah. Yeah. I went through the school of hard knocks and was managing, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars and actually worked in a business capacity before I started doing business coaching, which was awesome. (laughs) I love that. You said, by the way, in your story, you said so many things that brought up questions for me. The first one was this. You said you grew up having no money. And I love how you painted the picture where you said, I will never let this happen to me again. And that's when you, you know, took charge of your financial future, so to speak, and became good at sales and all that. So the first question is this. Growing up, when you grew up in a situation not having a lot of money, how did you view other people with money? Because we talk a lot about money mindset here. Yeah, definitely. Well, that was really tough for me. I'll be completely honest with you because my parents were both very religious. Um, Like I'm talking church every day kind of Mm, people. And so, you know, part of the reason why we had no money was because my dad worked for a Catholic nonprofit. So you can see where this is going. So Uh the money mindset was almost like it's virtuous to not have money. Yeah. My wife grew up that way, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Scary, right? Because how do you make an impact in the world if you can barely take care of yourself is my mindset, right? Like I know now and, and I'm so committed to the more money I make, the more money I can give, the bigger impact I can make, the more people I can help. And, and I know that to be true, but that is not the way that I was raised. So I think my mindset growing up was almost like, is there something like bad or evil 
about the desire to have money. And I think that definitely was deep within me. But it's like something just rose up that that overpowered that, that I just knew that couldn't be right and that couldn't be true. And, you know, I, I pushed through it and I came over to the other side and I just described to you, you know, what my mindset is about money today. But it definitely was not that way growing up. It's amazing. I actually want to get a little bit more granular there. Was there something you did or an experience you had or was there a way that you purposely decided to change this mindset? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the big thing there was when I look at just the the bigger picture of the world and people that are out there making a difference, they're looking out and up. They're not looking down and in. And I don't know if that makes sense or not, but when you're struggling and you're barely getting by yourself, you don't have the bandwidth or the capability of helping others. That's when you're looking down and in. That's when you're looking down and in. But when you're looking out and up and your arms are like open, right? You have so much to give. And I just started looking around and I said, you know, I'm looking at the people that are struggling and it's not that they don't want to help others, but it's that they're barely getting by. So how can they? They're so focused on working full time at keeping their head above water that there really isn't much opportunity, good, bad, or indifferent, right? Whereas the people that are wealthy, that are financially free, that have options, that have the ability to say, I want to allocate my time to this today instead of that, those are the people that really can go out there and make a difference. They're looking out and up. They're not focused just on themselves. They're focused on something bigger than themselves. Mm, I absolutely love anyone struggling with, you know, money mindset and struggling with, is it okay to desire more money? You just so eloquently walked them through that journey and justifying why it is absolutely okay. And maybe even an obligation to become successful. I love that. There is an obligation. There is a responsibility there. You know, I really do believe that as entrepreneurs, we have a responsibility to be fiscally responsible, to be financially educated, and to also be socially responsible. You know, it's it's a huge, awesome opportunity and responsibility to be an entrepreneur. But I think that in some ways, and you said, you know, entrepreneurship has changed a lot since I started my business in 2012. And heck yeah, it's it's a totally different world. Um, but I think some of what has been lost over that time, Chris, is the the full component of what actually goes into running a business versus selling a course. Yes. Or running a business versus having um, a lot of followers on social media and having an active social media account. And there's been a lot of confusion and and a lot of dilution and a lot of misrepresentation of what really has to be happening behind the scenes. And so that's part of the education that I try to do is really focusing in on like the education of the basic fundamentals of how a, a business works and what the core components of that are. Because unfortunately, that's kind of getting lost in translation. It's why there's so many false starts, you know? Kelly, give us one or two of those basic fundamentals that's missing. And I just want to preface it with this. I wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying. We see somebody build up their Instagram account and then they launch an e-course selling something that's you know loosely effective at best and they call it a business. What fundamentals behind that are they forgetting or missing typically? Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, we could. <laughs> How just, long a do we have? just a couple. Just a couple. Are we? Are, are we going to be? Are we going to stay together uh, until tomorrow? Um, 
You know, I would say obviously systems is a huge piece of that. A system for billing, a system for client onboarding, a system for documentation, a system for offboarding, a system for, you know, helping, you know, through implementation and results generation, you know, all of that. A people plan, for God's sakes, a people plan. A business is comprised of people that do different roles within the organization. Um, you know, the different components, like what are the five components that make up a business? Sales, marketing, operations, customer service, client delivery, right? It's it's just those basic fundamentals. And for me, like obviously coming from doing like the billion dollar strategies in corporate and then bringing that over, these things are so like deeply ingrained in me that it, to me, it's like, well, how could this not be obvious? But for a lot of people that get into entrepreneurship, this is their first entree into, you know, running something for themselves. So it's it's not a, a part of that. But even something that I find really interesting, Chris, and I get on my my soapbox, and it takes me a long time to get through to people on this. But you know, most entrepreneurs don't have anyone selling for them. Mm. I find that mind blowing. Yeah. So you have a business and there's no plan whatsoever to have anyone out there selling for you. I don't care if they're selling on social media. I don't care if they're doing outside sales, inside sales, social media sales, sales of some kind, someone whose only job is to produce revenue. And then you have the entrepreneur that is, you know, trying to do the 18 things in the business, right? And they have no time to sell. So here we have this quote unquote business. But like, there's no selling going on. Yeah, it's so true. Now, question, what if the entrepreneur, what if that's their, their strong suit? What if they can sell better than anybody else, but they're missing the other components? I think that's amazing. I mean, I think everybody should focus on leveraging their strength and then building a winning team around them. So if you know your strength is sales, amazing. Go find someone that's great at operations, attention to detail, tactical implementation and execution, right? So like, look for the yin to your yang. You know, but I think the best way to think of it is look at those five core components of what makes up a well-run business and start figuring out how you can hire around you to get all five of those components working. And then ultimately to get to the point where all five of those components can work without you being the main kind of cog in the wheel that that's driving everything. You are totally speaking to our audience right now. The bulk majority of our audience um, 60% women, uh, typically between 50 and 300,000 in their first online or entrepreneurial venture. And the question I get a lot, which is exactly what you're talking about, is who should my first hire be? Any advice around that? Yeah. Um, and, and there is a little bit of nuance to it, but yeah. So, I mean, I think first and foremost, so pretend like you're the quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. So you're the quarterback and you're trying to get the ball down the field. The, the first hire should be your blocker. Mm -hmm. Your blocker is the person that handles everything and anything that is not going to close a client, put money in the bank and fuel your business's ability to hire the support that you need in all of the other areas to grow from being like a baby startup into a full-fledged company, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I always think of that first hire as that tactical admin operations, you know, whatever person that that is gonna block you so you can run down the field and and get the ball, you know, in into the end zone. And I think that 
even with that, there's an opportunity since this person will then ultimately, you know, in most instances, end up doing your scheduling and have customer interaction and all of that if they stick with you and, and actually grow with you. There's an opportunity for even that person to be doing selling because some of the best sales obviously, you know, can and should be coming every month from reactivations, renewals, upgrades, referrals. And even someone that is very tactical and operational in the function of their job can still be contributing to the bottom line in a really meaningful way if you structure the system the right way, going back to what I mentioned earlier about systems in terms of client offboarding, onboarding, quality assurance, implementation, all of that. Oh my God, it's such... By the way, that analogy, you couldn't pick a better one to speak to me, right? As a diehard football fan. So I absolutely love that that was your, your analogy. So I noticed a few things on your site now that we're talking business that really spoke to me. And the first one was this. You have something on there titled How to Engineer Your Own Celebrity. And this piques my interest. Why would somebody want to do this and how can they do this? Yeah, absolutely. Well, going back to what you and I were already talking about here, you know, this is the moment. Like this is the freaking moment. If you can't make it today, you ain't making it, right? Because we have smartphones, we have live streaming, we have podcasting, we have webinars, we have Facebook groups, we have Instagram live, we have IG stories, we have IGTV. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Engineering your celebrity is simply leveraging the tools and tactics that we all have in the palm of our hands, in our phones to build a community of raving fans that are going to lift their hand and say yes to whatever you're selling because you deliver value for them consistently. You are the authority figure. You are the go-to person in your space. You show up consistently. You over-deliver on value. And you are the celebrity because you're the person that everyone looks to for that. Mm -hmm. And I think that in this moment in time, we all have such a unique, such a unique uh, opportunity to engineer our celebrity and to do it in such a meaningful way, such a way that can last, you know, that can stand the test of time. And it doesn't need to be through hundreds of thousands of followers. I think there's a huge mix up there. Um, There's a lot of people that are openly sharing you know, hey, I have 3 million followers on Instagram, but I don't make any money from it. Oh, I got friends <laughs> like know? that. I have a ton of and, friends and like then, that. Right, right. And then, and then there are entrepreneurs, I kid you not, that have a thousand followers on Instagram. They're doing a nice 250K, you know, business a year. Mm-hmm. So, so engineering your celebrity is about understanding the value and the impact of the tools that you have right in your smartphone leveraging them and doing it in a way that is going to stand the test of time, adding value, being the go-to authority, showing up consistently and putting yourself in the position that you wanna be in regardless of how many people are paying attention. And I think, and I add that caveat and I think it's so important because one of the biggest mistakes I see people making today, Chris, is they're like, well, you know, if only one person commented or if only three people liked or if only two people showed up, you know, that was a fail. I'm going to move on. I'm going to go work on something else. So how do you engineer that celebrity? That's the why. And I couldn't agree more. Do you have any tips on how? Yeah. Consistency, frequency, value right? Because the consistency and the frequency is going to build the mastery. And from the mastery, you're going to develop your systems. And from your systems, you're going to develop the ability to create leverage. And from leverage, you're going to create the ability to scale, 
So it all starts, Chris, with actually having the discipline to commit to something. How many hours does it take to master? 10,000 hours mm-hmm. mastery takes. If, if we look at any one of ourselves in the mirror and we look at the things in our business that we do really, really well, we do them consistently, we do them without question, it's like an automatic. And we look at the things that we failed at And in most instances, we failed because we didn't even stay the course for long enough to put ourselves in the game to master it. Does that that make sense? Yes, it absolutely makes sense. All right, the next one I wanted to ask you about was your seven laws of productivity for seven-figure entrepreneurs. And I want to piggyback on that. Are they some of the same nine principles that are in your book? Yes and no. Um, I think some of those things are are kind of woven into the book, um, but the book is a little bit different. So I'll I'll tell you a little bit about the book, and then I'll tell you a little bit about some of those seven laws. The book is about how I did it the wrong way, and then how I did it the right way. Meaning, when I built my career in corporate America, I became financially free in my twenties. I achieved all of these great on paper, quote unquote, career goals, blah blah blah. But I sacrificed my quality of life. I sacrificed my time. I gave away my freedom in order to do it. When I built my coaching company, I did everything exactly the opposite. And so the book is about the nine principles that I kind of brought together in the way that I built the coaching company to ensure that my outcomes looked very different than the outcomes that I achieved, you know, the, the first time around. So valuable. Oh, absolutely makes sense. Do you have a favorite principle out of the nine? It's like asking Act like a, a favorite CEO child, if right? you want to earn like one. Act like a CEO. Act like a CEO if you want to earn like one. So good. I love that. So what are the seven laws of productivity then? How are how do those differ? Yeah. So so this is the thing. You know, I think that as entrepreneurs, we all like to think that what we do is very special. And and we we believe that the work that we're doing is important. And those are very good things. But I think that in those two beliefs, Chris, that many times our ego confuses that into uh projecting that only I can do this. Totally. I'm the only one that can do this. No one can do this as well as I can. I could never hire someone to take this on. They'll never do it as well as I do. My clients will be disappointed. My clients will leave, right? I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard these things, right, from entrepreneurs. Um, and, And it's just our ego, right? Because you know, if you're good at what you do, then then you're gonna have systems that you follow to to do them to get a, a repeatable, predictable result, right? Mm-hmm. And in doing that, you're going to be able to develop someone else that can do that. And so, I, I think the biggest thing that the whole seven laws of productivity is all about is really like just being a guardian you know, at the highest level for your time because it's your most precious asset in life. It's the thing you can never, ever get back. You can never get more of it, right? And it's also releasing all ego around what you need to be the one to do mm. in your business. God, we talk right? so much about ego on this show. I love it. Keep going. Yeah. So no. And so, you know, I think I think with that, it's again going back to that principle of focusing on something that's bigger than yourself. You know, you start off in your business, you know, you want to get to six figures, right? It's so funny because we all started out, you know, in the very beginning, we're like six figures, right? You got to get there. And I just recorded a podcast about it's so funny because it's like this number that someone at some point threw out there or whatever the case. Well, we all know as an entrepreneur, if you're making six figures, you're broke. Like you are broke beyond broke beyond broke, right? So I think it's just one of those things, Chris, of 
being able to to lift your head up and scale out to a 50,000 foot view and look at where you're going and take where you want to be this year and multiply it by 10 and then look at everything that needs to get done in the business in order to get to that 10x, right? And then working backwards and saying, okay, what are the steps that I need to slowly take and put in place one by one by one that will make this possible? Not only from a client acquisition standpoint, but from a delivery standpoint, you know, from an ability to service at the highest level and to actually follow through on your promise, right? And then to do so, so well that people keep coming back again and again and tell everyone that they can about it. So I think the whole thing is is that people think that productivity is an entry level, like basic thing. I think they were like, ah, productivity, I don't want to hear it anymore. But it's so funny that for all of us, like it's almost something that you can never master. Mm, Do do you know what I mean? Yes. Because at every level what you need to do to get to the next level keeps changing. New challenges, ones you didn't expect. Yes, yes. That's so yes. good. Wow, okay, you're just crushing it like on the business side with all this value, but all this value has led to you becoming a very, very successful individual. And you have parlayed that success into a life of contribution. And this is really where you eventually wanted to steer this. So let's talk generosity a little bit. You are totally into charity, just like me. We had a great conversation about it before we actually went live on this show. Why does it mean so much to you? Yeah, I mean, I I just think that we're all part of one human family. And I think that it's in linking arms that, you know, we, I I believe I, I, in my heart of hearts and in my depth of my being, I believe we rise by lifting each other up. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we are one human family. And I believe that no matter what your circumstances are, what age or stage you are in life, there's something that you can do to give back in some way, shape or form that keeps that domino effect of the human family, you know, together and and united. And I, I just think that we were all put here with a purpose and with an ability to make an impact. And I don't care if you pay for someone's coffee in the Starbucks line or you hold a door, or you smile. It's not, it can be simple. It doesn't need to be these grand sweeping gestures. But but I think we all are here you know, to make a positive impact. And I think we're all here with a plan and with a purpose. And I think that plan and that purpose is, is bigger than we are. And I think a lot of times we can only see such a small portion and such a small piece of what life is really all about. What do you think your dad running a nonprofit as you were growing up had to do with this? Anything? Yeah, I do. I do. I think I think that my parents both were very and are very spiritual beings. And I think that they were very generous in the sacrifices that they made to to give us what they felt was most meaningful. One of those things being Catholic education. And it doesn't matter what your spiritual beliefs are, or your religion or you know whatever, but they they wanted that education for us. They wanted us to have that like moral compass and to be in that environment, you know, where that was a part of our belief system. And, and I do feel like that's had a huge, huge impact on my perspective of the world and my life and my journey and and you know how I you know, how I see our responsibility, you know, for giving back. So yeah, I I do think that that was a piece of it. Wow, I love that. So that led you, and we're gonna talk about many foundations here, but that led you to being the co-founder of Give Her Courage. What is Give Her Courage? 
Yeah. So Give Her Courage is a movement that I started with a best friend of mine, one of my best friends of 20 years. And the whole purpose behind it is to work to instill courage and confidence in young girls from the start. So from from birth, essentially. And we both felt really, really called to focus on this because, you know, obviously self, self-worth and self-confidence and the belief system that you have about yourself really determines the fate of your life. Oh, yeah. And and what we kept seeing, Chris, was that there's so much out there that's focused on trying to, you know, fix something that's broken or to like recapture something that was like a wrongdoing from the past or whatever. I mean, there... There's a lot there, mm-hmm. right? But but what there was nothing, what what we could find nothing on, and we both have very young daughters, so this is like super deep for us, right? We couldn't find books and tools and activity guides and, and resources where we could intentionally teach our daughters to have confidence in, in themselves, mm. to believe in themselves so deeply at the core that they were gonna go anywhere and do anything that they wanted in life because they had that that burning fire inside. And, you know, obviously a big portion of all the work that we do, you know, a percentage of that is obviously going to different charities that help support young girls of all walks of life. Because, you know, and I, I think this with the coaching company as well, like not everyone, you can say you can be of, I can say I can be of service in the coaching company because I give so much free content around entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. right? But there's a difference between giving free content for people that are in a position to be able to leverage it versus people that are in a position where they can't even help themselves, Mm, right? Like two very different things. And so Give Her Courage has the two different sides of it. Like on one side, we have books and we have resources and we have tools and we're we're launching the Courage Club in in just a couple months here, um, you know, where parents or people that have a young girl in their life that they really care about can, can buy things that they feel will help their daughters to develop these skills. But on the other side is the donations and the the organizations that we we donate to to help the girls that don't have anyone that's going to go buy these things for them, right? Mm. So I think you have to kind of look at it from both sides. That is so powerful. Is there an age range that you're targeting? Yeah, so we're really focusing on girls, young girls from toddler through like that 12 year old range. So again, what we're trying to do is focus on developing that self-worth, that positive body image, that um, ability to handle, you know, criticism, um, to take healthy and 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 important risks, whether it's with their career or with trying something new or pushing themselves with a hobby, the ability and the confidence to be an individual. And not feel like you have to do what everyone else is doing or be like what everybody else is being. So, you know, and and it's really interesting, Chris, because on this journey of us trying to create these things for young girls, the feedback that we've been getting from women and moms over and over again is not only do I not know where to start and I don't know how to help teach this to my daughter, even though I so desperately want this for her. I don't know that because I don't have confidence myself. Mm. And and I'm trying to figure out how do I teach something that I don't feel like I possess? And so we're trying to start moving in the direction of also developing things for women just in general to help them, you know, build up, you know, that ability because it's it's very hard to give something that you don't already 
possess. Yeah. Right? You, don't, you don't know because you didn't get it yourself. So you don't know how to go get mm-hmm. it. Yeah. That is so powerful. What's been the hardest part about getting Give Her Courage off the ground? And, and here's why I ask. The, the bulk majority of my listeners aren't just growing a business, but they also have some form of contribution in their mind that they would love to be able to start one day. And here you are, you know, living it, doing it, making it successful. What's the hardest part about getting it off the ground? Yeah. I mean, I just think that really keeping your long range, long range vision in mind in the short term and making sure that every day you're reminding yourself of where this is going and, and what you want your legacy to be. You know, we live in a world where it's all about the microwave culture of what have you done for me lately? What are you doing for me right now? What is this going to get me today? And the thing about building something like Give Her Courage is, you know, this is not about some, you know, reward or instant gratification or immediacy. This is about the legacy that we want to leave and the impact that we want to make on the world that hopefully will change millions and millions of lives and create a trickle out effect that will continue to go long after we're gone. And I think really locking in on legacy and what you want your legacy to be is going to be that driving force, that fire in your belly that keeps you going because it's hard. You're spinning a lot of plates. You're running the other business. You're you're pouring and pouring love and effort and generosity into something that it's going to take a period of of many years to get to the level that you want it to be. But it's it's remembering the why. Because it's like running two businesses at that point, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So would you recommend somebody who has this on their heart get started immediately or waiting till a certain point in their other business? Like what's your guidance around that? Yeah, I, I think that you know you need to get to you know how they say on the airplane put your uh, put your mask, mask on, on first, first. yeah, <laughs> right. Put your mask on first. Yeah, I, I would recommend that you put your mask on first. I, I really do because as you said already, Chris, it is two businesses. I mean, this is a full blown business. And if you're struggling, you know, and I, I don't mean struggling in a negative way, but if you're still in aggressive growth phase with the first business and you don't have like the five components of your business really running like a well-oiled machine, you're, you're going to slip back sacrificing one to get to the other. I think the key thing is, is get one really stable, get something that's, it's systematic, it's stable. You have a team in place and, and get yourself to a place where you really in your heart of hearts can dedicate bandwidth to this thing. And and then I would say, go for it. And it doesn't mean that you can't volunteer and contribute and donate and do all these other things on the side in the meantime. But if you want to do it and do it the right way, I would get one stable before you dive into the next. Mm, That is such good advice. And then there's other charities we're talking about offline as well, Charity Water and a few others. Tell me about your involvement in those. Yeah, for sure. So we, a couple of years ago, so when you know the business was growing and growing and and I really realized that to me like legacy trumped any other outcome and you know what I was working towards with the business you know I, I feel like I said this to you you know financial gain is like one element but like once you learn how to make money like you can make more and more and more money you know but that's not the end all be all like the, there's a limit to like how that's going to fill your heart and your soul and your human capacity and it doesn't mean you stop working to make more money but there, there's like more to us as human beings and so for me a couple of years ago I really recognized that about myself and I recognized that contribution um, and legacy really was was like the highest calling 
healing for me. And so, you know, I found Charity Water. And, you know, when I started really digging into the work that they were doing and and really understanding that there's still billions of people without clean drinking water, Mm -hmm. I was so appalled and I was so saddened and it broke my heart completely. I, I guess I was really naive that I didn't truly understand that that was still going on in the world. I didn't realize the extent to which that was still going on. Mm-hmm. And so I just decided like, this is just going to be like forever a part of me. Like I, my goal is, you know, to get to the point where we're building wells, where I'm traveling and taking the team with me and and we're able to physically see the manifestation of what we're contributing to and the people that, you know, we're, we're making clean drinking water possible for. But it's something that, you know, we, we make the donations every week in the business to to remind myself and to remind my team that we need to live in a state of constant gratitude in every moment of every day and that no challenge that we have could ever even possibly come close to what you know so many other people are dealing with all day every day it's their entire lives and so it's it's like that reminder of like we're here for a bigger purpose we have it really really easy And there's something that everyone can do to help extend a hand to someone else in the human family. So powerful that you do that as a business and that you do that weekly. What has it done for your team? What has it done for your business? Oh my God, so much. I mean, I think, you know, and and I know that this is manifest. I I know that this is experienced by everyone that interacts with us, but we're a very, you know, we're, we're a tech savvy company. We're an online company. We're, we're a very fast paced internet marketing company. But, but when you interact with the people that I've surrounded myself with and the team members and the way that we interact with the world and the way that we show up for our clients and customers, there is a goodness. There is a goodness in what we do and how we do it and who we are. And I think that the team understanding the importance of contribution and giving back to me as the CEO of the company and and then that of course trickles down into them it, it's like almost like a guiding light it's like a moral compass for the company like it, it reminds us of like why we're here you know, and and it, it's 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 guidance for behavior. I think your employees see you differently. Your employees see the company differently. You interact and behave differently. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I totally know what you're saying. You're leading by example, and it becomes infectious throughout the company, and it it becomes this unified goal that everybody's going after instead of just a sales goal. I mean, it's so powerful. I, I hope that everyone's kind of taking a page out of your book here, so to speak. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's fun and it's fun to be honest. It's really, really fun. It is, you know, <laughs> it totally is. And sometimes when, when business can be so dull or you feel like you got beaten up a little bit or so mundane, it's fun to have something like this to latch on to. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I love it. People are getting so much value from you today, by the way. So where can they find you? Where can they find your book? Where can they follow you? Give us all the goods. Yeah, for sure. So Unstoppable Success Radio is my podcast. We release new episodes every single week and it's really focused on the strategy, you know, behind, you know, building a legitimate, sustainable, timeless business that is positioned to scale. So Unstoppable Success Radio is a great place to start. And I do free live trainings every single week in my private Facebook group. So that's called Tribe of Unstoppables. And I would love to have any of the listeners here join. Very cool. Definitely go check her out at Tribe of Unstoppables in her Facebook group. I love when people add free value like that. Last question for you. 
why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of success or wealth? It's why you're here. It's why you're here. It's our we weren't here to suffer. We weren't here to struggle. Yes, that's part of the human experience, but you are here to thrive. Like whatever your calling is, you were meant to fulfill that calling. And so there's never a reason to be ashamed or embarrassed or to hold back from living that out absolutely at a thousand percent. Wow, did you just clarify something for a lot of people right there? When you said, yes, suffering is part of the human experience, but it's not what we were here to do. That right there is like the greatest way to drop the mic and wrap this thing up. That was so powerful along with everything else that you talked about, Kelly. I can't thank you enough for jumping on, you know, donating an hour of your time and just adding so much granular value. It means a lot. Oh my gosh. Well, this is an amazing conversation. And of course we value and respect the work that you're doing in the world so, so much. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.